Thankfully, 2020 is over. There is no better way to lead off this episode than to kick the past year out the door for good. This is On The Rise Podcast, Season 2. Listen now on all major platforms as well as midtownradio.ca weekends at 10 a.m. Welcome your host, Sam Donzig and Evan Brown. Welcome to episode 42 of On The Rise Podcast. It's hot out of the oven. Another chapter in sports history has come to a close as 2020 has thankfully become 2021. Sam, looking back on the crazy year that kind of was for sports, what was your favorite sports moments of 2020? And uh, what are your bold predictions coming up for just any any sort of sports for 2021? I know it was tough, you know, in a weird year like 2020 was to have, you know, like we did have some sports and it was weird and different, you know, with a lot of teams in the bubble and stuff, the NBA and the NHL doing bubbles. But I had a few top three moments that I had. Number one was covered Bayern Munich, a soccer club in Germany, winning their winning the Champions League trophy for the first time since 2013, which I was super excited about. Um, they've won it over PSG, you know, so super excited. They had, like, they won, ended up winning five trophies, but I was like, focusing this sport moment was huge. Cause it's like the biggest trophy in Europe. It's that basically you're the Kings of Europe. It's what you're considered. Um, cause you're the best team. Number two, I had Lewis Hamilton winning his seventh world driver. So I'm not a big fan. Like I, I like Lewis Hamilton. I don't like, I'm not like a fan of him. Like when I sport, like watch him race him more Max Verstappen, but it was still really cool to see him match Michael Schumacher's record for seven world driver's titles in the short span that he did, uh, within like, you know, X number of seasons and stuff like that. He's just, you know, a driver in his own, um, his own class of skill. And I think it's super, it's, it's just super awesome to see he's become, he's become Sir, Sir Lewis Hamilton actually uh, in the year, which is now, now, I guess he's going to be knighted soon uh, by the queen of England. And it's going to be really cool. to me, Sir Lewis Hamilton. And number three, I got Jamal Murray, you know, Kitchener boy from Canada and of course his run with the Denver Nuggets. I believe they did go to the West finals if I'm not mistaken, but I'm pretty sure they yes, did. They, they went, did. Yeah, they went. So that was really cool to see, you know, a young Canadian leading the charge. And I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch for the future. Um, speaking of bold predictions, not really the Nuggets, but I think some bold predictions that I have for going into this year I think that the Leafs are going to be a serious force in the playoffs. I don't know how much that's a bold prediction, but I know they're going to make the playoffs and they're not just going to lose to the second round. They're going to go to the, I think the, it's a very bold prediction, but I think that this Toronto Maple Leafs team in a Canadian division that it is, they're going to have some great success and they're going to go deep into the playoffs and they could probably go to the conference finals, maybe even the Stanley Cup finals. I know it's a very bold prediction, but it's just something I'm making. I'm not even a Leafs fan, but I'm just saying with the team, with the moves they made, they seem to have a really strong season. Number two, another big bold prediction that I have. I think, uh, I think Luka Doncic is going to win MVP. I don't know how exactly, you know, some may say, okay, yeah, it makes sense. But then again, it seems like LeBron and Giannis and Harden are only are the top three plus Curry's as well here. Curry's now playing. So he could be considered an MVP candidate depending on how the Golden State Warriors do. So I think, but Luka Doncic could be is going to be my MVP for the season. I think that's going to be a bit of a sleeper pick for. So those are my bold predictions and my favorite sports moments of 2020. Uh, what are your favorite moments? Moments. Awesome. Well, I mean, a, a lot of uh, your favorite moments, I kind of well not forgot about, but uh, would have liked to have mentioned as well. Obviously, like Bayern Music, Bayern Munich, Alfonso Davies, that connection there. Great to see the Canadian doing so well. Lewis Hamilton, obviously making history there, and Jamal Murray. I mean, um, like you said, Kitchener kid. Love to see him having success in the Nuggets, one of my uh, most underrated and favorite teams uh, out of the West there. So I was happy to see them succeed. But my personal favorite moments outside of those three uh, were at the very start of the year, 
uh, when Canada in the World Juniors came back in the gold medal game against Russia, Akil Thomas and uh, Lafreniere and co. That was just so much fun to watch that gold medal game and the reactions and everything around it. And um, even Barrett Hayton and all the drama surrounding, uh, surrounding him with the whole uh, helmet off before the Russia game and then injuries and then coming back into the final and then playing well. And that just was one of my favorite moments of the year. Uh, I have the OG Ananobi shot that he hit ridiculously versus Celtics in the bubble. Um, first of all, the pass by Lowry to get it over the seven foot, whatever taco fall. Uh, not even, it wasn't even his, just his height, but his ridiculous wingspan as well. So we probably had to pass it over like eight and a half feet of giant uh, just to get it to OG and then to just throw up a prayer and have it hit and win the game. That was ridiculous. Uh, I have the Dodgers three errors in game four of the world series there where the Rays walked it off, off of uh, the Brett Phillips hit there. That was just, that wasn't a favorite moment of mine, just one of the craziest, I think. And that's why I loved it so much because that's, that's just baseball in a nutshell, man. Sometimes things go your way. Sometimes everything goes against you. And the fact that the Dodgers came back one game six and won that playoff uh, or won that series at the same time makes it all the better. Uh, and also just, a other uh, just as a whole for this year the female representation in sports that has become um, notably Kim Ng becoming the GM of the Marlins as well as uh, Sarah, Sarah Fuller uh, in college football college football there uh, among others there's plenty of other examples out there but those were two that stuck out recently at least to a lot of sports fans and as for my bold predictions for 2021 I actually I'm going to agree with you on one because I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I agree that the Leafs will make it past the first round finally and hopefully make a deep run in the playoffs. I say they're at least making it to the second round. If not, uh, I think they have the chance to go to the uh, Stanley Cup final, but that's just also me being a wishful Leafs fan. Uh, And my other bold prediction, uh, I have been, I've been preparing sort of a, article that I'm writing right now about kind of bold MLB predictions for the entire year and one that I am backing up fully and I mean obviously things can change in free agency but I think this will be the year for the first time in many years that the New York Mets are the better team in New York I think the Mets will have a better record than New York Yankees this season Hmm, interesting Hmm. okay Based off of just, I think the Mets, I love what they've been doing. I think they're building a talented roster and obviously they're not done with free agency. And I think they're going to make a couple big splashes, hopefully not too many big splashes so that the Jays actually have people left. But I do think the Mets are going to be making some big splashes and I think they could steal away the prize possession of the Yankees right now in DJ LeMahieu, which would be a huge advantage going, uh, going on that front. And then if Syndergaard can come back uh, healthy, that's going to be a dangerous Mets team. And I think they reign as the champions of New York, at least going into next season. I don't know if they make it farther in the playoffs, but I do think the Mets have a better record in the regular season than the Yankees will in this upcoming season. Anyways. Alrighty. That wraps up uh, 2020, I guess as a whole uh, in this segment of hot out of the oven, uh, talking about our favorite sports moments of 2020 and some bold predictions of ours for 2021. Moving on into our next segment, we have our NFL playoff preview. Obviously, it's wildcard weekend coming up. But to say if the if the playoffs ended or if the playoffs started this weekend, say, without anything going on, 
You yeah. got the uh, NFC playoff picture. You got the Packers with the bye. It would be the Saints versus Bears, Seahawks versus Rams. And then Washington football team versus the Buccaneers. Again, lots can change this upcoming weekend, but say it. Say there was no this weekend. Uh, and then you have the AFC. You have the Chiefs with the bye right now. I think that's already locked in. But Chiefs have the bye. Uh, Bills versus Browns. Steelers versus Ravens. Uh, Titans versus Dolphins. You still got in the NFC. You've got the Cardinals, Cowboys, Giants on the bubble still. You got the Colts in the bubble still for the AFC. Uh, what is your kind of prediction, Sam, for who is going to be making it to the NFC and AFC championship games? There's a lot of great teams to pick from here. I think some some teams are an easier pick than others, but who, who are your thoughts uh, making it to each championship game for each uh, conference? I'm going to start in the NFC because that's where the Seahawks play. Um, it's I'm going to be frank. Um, I want to say the Packers will be facing off against the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC championship game, but they're not going to win it. The, the Seahawks aren't. They're going to lose. The Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl. That's what I think, because let's be real. The Packers are the better team. They're going to be in Lambeau. Uh, Russ Wilson doesn't play well uh, in Lambeau. It's, it's been proven. So I, and as well, as much as I want to give hopes to the saints, I don't know the saints. I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I know the saints would probably be up there. I'd say, but I, I think the Seahawks have come around. Their defense is much better. Russell Wilson's play, he, he flicks a different switch in the playoffs. And I think they'd be able to beat that. And as well, they might not face off against that. Well, they they might not face off against that Saints team as well, right? Like, most likely. Um, I'm trying to think, actually. No, it'd be I, one versus four, two versus three. If It depends. If they both win and the four seed wins uh, over the against five Against the seed, Buccaneers, yeah. I think that, I think what it is, yeah. yeah. I think what it would be is it'd be Saints versus, yeah. Because I think the, the way that it would go is if the Saints beat the Bears and the Seahawks beat the Rams and the Wash and the Buccaneers beat the Washington Football Team because that's probably what's going to happen. Um, because the Buccaneers, even though they're five seed, they're really underrated. Like like they're a better team than probably um, most teams in the in that division. Whoever comes out on top, even if it is the Cowboys playing that spot, because they could still have a chance yeah. to win that division. So. I think it would be actually be the highest seed remaining plays the lowest seed remaining. So it yeah. would be the one seed plays the five seed and then the two seed plays the three seed. So the saints and Seahawks would be facing off. Um, and then whoever wins that would go to the NFC chat. And I think they would be able to pull it off. I know. And as well, their run defense is great. So if you shut down Alvin Kamara, you're relying on an older Drew Brees who really isn't that who's really relied on Alvin Kamara to run to have to have success this year like you look in that game he had six rushing touchdowns against the Vikings if the Seahawks can shut that down they have a strong chance of going to the NFC playoff uh NFC championship the, game and the only question I would have for the mm-hmm. Saints is what's the status of Michael Thomas going forward as well because as well like if teams can like if Seahawks if the Seahawks and as well the Bears because the Bears have a really a pretty solid rush defense if they can shut down um Alvin Kamara then you're gonna rely on a little bit older Drew Brees you know who's who's like I think he's he's over 40 I'm pretty sure uh to throw the ball and I don't know exactly how well that's gonna go over it, it could go over great and he could you know have a great big game and he could you know lead them to uh you know a like a an NFC championship game but I highly doubt that is because again as they're known as they're the so close Saints so they might go against the Seahawks even at home and they could lose off one little gif you know it'd be a missed kick or a late kick by the Seahawks and it's a game-winning kick or whatever it is they're always the so close saints and i just think that luck is another side so i'm picking the packers and the seahawks the packers to go to the super bowl and as much as i want to pick the seahawks packers the packers are the better team um and it's, it's gonna be a close game but um i got the packers winning for the afc just really quick because i kind of rambled on there uh the chiefs are obviously going to go to the afc afc championship game as the one seed because they're they've got the bye and whoever they play they'd be playing 
they probably would be playing either the Titans, or their Dolphins, and they're going to beat both those teams because they beat both those teams earlier this year. Um, and as well, I'd say, I want to say Bills versus Chiefs is going to be my AFC, AFC uh, championship game. And I got the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. It's going to be close. The Bills are a good team and they're going to give for the run for the money, but the Chiefs are just too strong. Um, like Patrick Holmes is kind of like one of those players, like a Russell Wilson or a Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady playoffs it. And he's a totally different player regular season you know yeah he struggled during the regular season he threw three picks in one game almost lost the game actually as well well he ended up winning big but regardless he threw three interceptions it's Miami's fault for not converting on that so or for taking advantage so um I think that they're just the best team in the, they're the best team in the AFC beside the Bills and I think it's gonna be a very close AFC championship game but I got the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl who are you picking see for me it's 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 tough because a lot of the time in sports, you never see both one and two seeds make it to the semifinals and then have both one seeds make it to the playoffs, which I don't know about the one seeds making it to the finals, but uh, the likelihood of the one and two seeds both making it to the championship is low or well is higher than most predictions, but I think it is the most likely option this year. I am going to go with Packers and Saints. I think depending on it all depends on Michael Thomas's status because he, he missed the rest of the regular season. I think he's out this week as well. But apparently they were resting him for the playoffs, and it seems Drew Brees uh, is somewhat healthy um, despite having that massive injury earlier on. I don't know Michael Thomas' status, like I said, but I think if you get Michael Thomas back uh, and if Alvin, Alvin Kamara plays like he did against the, uh, against the Vikings, which is the Alvin Kamara we are used to seeing, not the one that couldn't hit 100 yards for the, uh, uh, for the few weeks before, then I don't see why the Saints won't make it back uh, to, the, uh, to the NFC Championship. And I think the Packers... The Packers can easily beat the uh, beat anybody who be, uh, wins in that four uh, four or five seed. Depending, I mean, obviously, if the Seahawks or Saints lose in the first round, then the Packers would play that team. But to be quite honest, in the NFC, I don't see the Bears beating the Packers. I mean, the Rams could get lucky, but with Cooper Cup out for who knows how long uh, with COVID, you never know how that goes. Plus, the Rams have. I uh, don't know the status of Jared Goff. You don't know a lot of different things with the Rams, so I think they're a big question mark. Uh, I would love to see Packers Buccaneers. Uh, that would be a really fun, uh, fun matchup. Uh, Rogers versus Brady. Uh, I don't know how many times we've seen Rogers versus Brady over the years, but it's not enough either way. So I'm excited to see that matchup. But I do think, I think that's going to be the closest. Mm, that's going to be the closest NFC game is going to be Packers Buccaneers. I think, uh, or Packers Saints, one of the two. But I think Packers Buccaneers. Uh, in the second round would be the closest uh, of the matchups. Uh, but I do think the Packers and Saints will eventually make it on to the championship game there. As far as the AFC, I think there are a lot of exciting matchups here uh, that could be potential because you have the Browns versus Bills. Uh, Browns, you never know what type of Browns team is going to show up. You never know what type of Bills team is going to show up. So those are both question marks there, although the Bills have looked more dominant recently uh, than in years past. Uh, the Ravens, same type of thing. You don't know whether Lamar Jackson's going to show up or not. You don't know whether uh, their defense will show up. Same thing with the Steelers, right? Like they're not, will it be the 11 and 0 team or will it be the team that lost three straight games pretty poorly, but then came back last week uh, pretty astoundingly. I, I actually, I watched that game. That was a really cool comeback that the Steelers pulled off. Uh, so you, the question marks there. And then you got the Titans and Dolphins, the Titans who, uh, the Titans who have Derrick Henry, who is just carrying them, just straight up carrying them all the way. Their defense is decent as well, but it's mostly Derrick Henry. And then you have the Dolphins, uh, which 
you don't know who their quarterback is <laughs> right now, right? Like, uh, could be Tua for the future, could be Ryan Fitzpatrick. They've been kind of switching out throughout the year with the vet. Uh, vet now having COVID-19, Tua is going to get the start probably this weekend. Who knows how that's going to go? Uh, who knows if this is the final seeding? Like, there's so many different factors here. Um, but I do think that we will see a Chiefs-Bills AFC uh, championship. Uh, I'm really excited. If the Bills, if everything plays out how it should, which doesn't usually happen, but if everything w- would uh, turn out how it should, one, two, three, four, uh, winning each, uh, well, Chiefs don't have to win a game, but you know what I mean. One, two, three, four, making it to the second round. Uh, Chiefs versus Titans. I think the Chiefs just over out offense the Titans in every stretch because while well, the Titans do have Derrick Henry and he's tough to stop, the Chiefs just have every single weapon to out duel you offensively. Uh, and then I think the like one of the tightest, I think the tightest game we'd see would be Bills versus Steelers, if not Chiefs versus Bills, because the Bills, if they show up, they are a tough team to beat. But then again, if the Steelers show up or the Chiefs show up, then they're also tough teams to beat. And I think we will see a very exciting playoff race here for uh, the bracket uh, for the AFC bracket, because you have three really solid teams that have up and down moments throughout throughout a season. Um, But I do think it'll be Chiefs and Bills. And I think eventually we will get to a Packers Chiefs uh, Super Bowl. And one thing, just quickly before we move on, or two things, actually, one thing I just want to add, is the, the Colts still have a chance to make it into the playoffs as well. They do. They like, do. This, yeah, this, this is why, because yeah. there's four teams, the Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns, and Colts are all 10-5, and five, right? And one of those one of the spots is going to, like, squeak in. Either the Browns are going to lose, and the Colts will sneak in on that seventh seed, and then they'll be playing the Bills then, which is going to be, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different team. The Colts can be competitive. Yeah. You know, they were competitive with the Steelers. You know, they're so that's just, that's why I think the Bills, Whatever team is playing that seventh seed, which is going to be the Bills, possibly whoever they're playing, they have to be preparing for all matchups as well. And I did look up as well the because the, we were talking about the Packers versus Buccaneers. Rodgers and Brady actually have only met up head to head just twice in their career, which is odd because well they were in separate conferences for most of their careers, yeah. so it makes sense. But so they split the two meetings. Brady apparently is forty four of seventy for five hundred thirty nine yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions in their two head to head starts against Rodgers. And Rodgers is forty eight of eighty one with four four touchdowns, zero interceptions in those two games. So both have done well in both meetings. Um, both have won a game. So I think that would be, it's like a very classical exciting game. I think. Oh yeah. Between like two veterans compared if you were to have like, okay, just have like, I think Drew Brees and Rogers would be another excited one. Russell Wilson and Rogers for me, it's like, they always, they, they play a lot, you know, Rogers always seems to get the better of Wilson. It always seems to be that way. And especially when they play at Lambeau. Um, and it's just, I don't know exactly how, I don't know how close the game would be. I think it would be close because the Seahawks would score and the Seahawks would actually let a lot of points as well. So it could be just a high scoring game and it's whoever gets the ball last, which might be exciting for some people. Some people like defensive low scoring games. So it all depends on what you're really into, but those are the two quick, uh, just two quick points. I just want to add in before yeah. we move on to the next section. That's a Brady Rogers set is interesting. And when you think about it, you'd think they have played more just uh, for random luck or in the playoffs or, uh, or in Super Bowls or something like that. But the fact that they've only played two times, actually quite interesting. It's interesting. That's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's very interesting. Obviously this season, now that, um, 
now season now that they're in the same conference, they're probably gonna be playing a lot more over the next like we know oh, yeah. is oh, Tom yeah. Brady gonna retire after this year, but like it all depends on how he goes out. Like if he loses yep. the team like first round to the Washington football team, you know, with the defense or the like the Cowboys or somebody gets him, he's probably gonna come back for next year because he's got he's got a two-year contract in Tampa, right? So I think he's yeah. gonna play out these two years. And if he doesn't win anything after this, he's gotta retire because he's not gonna be like 45. He's gonna be like, Yeah, I'm gonna go play in the NFL. Like as much how like how fit he is and yeah. you know how how amazingly well put together he is, which we based on his physical like you know body like the way that he keeps himself like you know well put and some of that it's, it's just tough you know to see him playing at 45 competitively so it's just and then comes the ultimate twist of the future tom brady to the xfl post nfl career if the xfl is no i think honestly i think he would just go to the cfl he would just go to the cfl and just dominate oh, the cfl please. he would just go if he went to the cfl he would win so many gray cups it wouldn't even be like it wouldn't even be fair like it would just be like Bro, he would go to like Toronto or like oh someone else it would be so hilarious it's like tom brady x tom like x nfl star goes to cfl so yeah, I'd, I'd go to a cfl game if that's the case I'd go yeah, to a CFL if tom brady game, was like... playing a cfl I, I would definitely i think he would sell tickets so it'd be interesting Canada's reaction to that would be ridiculous. I could see, you know, I couldn't see Brady doing that. I could see Rogers doing that. I could see him with just the a slight Canada connection there. I could see him just coming up and uh, messing around in the CFL for a bit post uh, and uh, at the end of his career there. Just oh yeah, Ro- yeah. Rogers, Rogers could go in there, dominate for like a couple seasons, win some great cups, and just you know he's got a couple of Super Bowls, a couple of great cups, goes into the Hall of Fame in both NFL and CFL. Like. <laughs> Oh man, it'd, it'd be, be crazy. Legendary career. Anyways, that wraps up our NFL playoff preview regarding the current NFC and AFC playoff pictures, as well as the team's uh, kind of our predictions for the AFC and NFC championship games going forward. Moving on into our next topic, we have our World Juniors knockout stage predictions. The qual- uh, quarterfinals are set uh, with their times all playing uh, as a, the, the day this is, will be uploaded. So Saturday, uh, January 2nd. Uh, starting off with the 12 p.m. game, we have number one overall. No, no, number one overall. Uh, number two in the Group B, uh, Russia versus uh, number three seed Germany in the Group A. I don't know why I'm struggling with that. Uh, who's winning in this same uh, game, Sam? And who is kind of the X factor for uh, X factor for you? I think this is going to be a, a closer game than people think. Because if you think about it, Germany now is healthy. They've got Stutzel, their star player. They've got a healthy healthy squad now. Like when they played Canada, they were not fully healthy. They were down seven guys. No. They were missing their best player, their number one goaltender out, and they got to, to, he eliminated. But then they beat Switzerland. They they beat a couple of, like they beat Switzerland and they beat someone else as well. That was uh, like beat another the good team. They beat, they beat the, Czechs the Czechs as well. And the Czechs beat the Russians, which is interesting, you know? Like it's 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 that strain of events where it's like oh wait okay, sorry 30. no no sorry 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 they beat Slovakia oh Slovakia sorry yeah I was Slovakia. gonna say no yeah That's Germany it. Germany beating Slovakia like Germany beating Czech would be just crazy because the Czechs beat Russia but yes. anyways I think this is gonna be a very close game but I am expecting the Russians to win it it's it could go to overtime I think obviously the obvious X factor for Germany is Tim Stutzel like the star player. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. how well oh, yeah. he's going to perform, how well the Russians can, you know, manage to shut him down. And again, I don't really, I haven't, honestly, I've been following the, like the, I don't really know who exactly who their X factors are on each team, other than probably Germany and maybe Canada, because that's usually the yeah. two quads that, 
so you'd probably be able to answer who's more like a X factor. I know like one player, which is a mirror on the team who scored a nice goal. And yeah, that's pretty, that's yeah. pretty much, I'm just going to say if he's a good player or not, I don't know, but um, yes. he's, he's a good <laughs> so player. So, yeah. That's my X factor <laughs> for Russia. He's, he's my X factor. You know, it doesn't have to be the star player, but just someone who could be surprising. But I think that Russia will win this game. Let's say, I don't know it's going to be like a three, two game. That's my prediction. So. Interesting. Interesting. I do agree that it's going to be closer than people think, but I don't know if it's going to necessarily go into overtime. Uh, Germany, it has to be Stutzel. That is their X factor. I am going to take Russia in this one, by the way, uh, as well. But it's going to be Stutzel. That's going to be their X factor as well as their goaltending. I don't know who they're going to start, but uh, their goaltending is going to need to step up if they want to have a chance in this one because Russia does have a pretty decent offense. Rodion Amirov finally hitting his stride. He had three points in the uh, win that finally broke the streak against Sweden, which was really cool to see. Uh, that game was fun to watch. Uh, I actually... I stayed up and watched the overtime that was happening at like 1230 in the morning the other day uh, just to see Sweden lose. Uh, that was really, that was just, that was history, man. I had to stay up and watch that. Um, but this Russia versus Germany game, I think the only X factor I could think of for Russia outside of Rodion Amirov and their offensive prowess, obviously, is going to have to be uh, Askarov, their goaltender, the Florida, uh, not Florida Panthers, National Predators pick uh, from this past year. He is going to have to be their X factor. Because he looked, despite them winning the Sweden game, he did look a bit shaky. He's been kind of not not himself throughout this tournament so far from just the dominant performance we, performances we saw in past years. So I think he's going to be an X factor for Russia, but I do think Russia will be able to pull this one out. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I'm going to go 5-3 for this one. It's going to be still close, but it's not going to be... I don't think it's going to go to overtime, but we shall see. Moving on into the 3.30 matchup, we have the two-seed in Group A, Finland, who lost to Canada in a dominant Canadian performance. We'll get to more on that in a second. Uh, versus the number three-seeded Sweden, whose streak of 14-plus years finally ended. Now, Sam, I know you're not a big Leafs fan, but I love this stat. So can you tell me, Sam, who the captain of the Leafs was the last time Sweden lost in the preliminary round? It is a very famous player. Oh, Matt Sundin. That is correct, Sam. Yeah, it is yeah, Matt, come on. Matt Sundin. Sundin. I was like, yeah, I was going to say the last time they won. And it was like, it was a while ago. It was like Leafs captain, Matt Sundin. Yeah, easy, yeah. easy. Pick, give some good, good, good. Anyways, I passed the test. So um, You passed the test for now. I passed the test. So, uh, <laughs> Do you want me to give my prediction now or is that? <laughs> uh, sorry, yes, you can go. Okay. Can go. Um, I know this is a very exciting game because, you know, Sweden beat Russia and Russia's a good team, but then Finland lost Canada four to one. So, and Finland, like, this is like probably, this is probably going to be one of the closest games um, in regards oh, to the quarterfinals. I agree. It's, I agree. It's, I agree. it's possibly going to go to overtime as well. Like, I think this actually going to, this, oh, yeah. this is an actual game that could go to overtime because you have two equally balanced teams. Again, not knowing, again, the big X factors on each team in regards to their forwards. Um, I would say, the key to the key to Finland's win is to because I, I didn't watch Canada game, but I don't know they scored a lot of goals. And maybe I would say probably their defensive work isn't the greatest. So maybe being a little more strict on the defensive side would be important for Sweden. Um, just cleaning up some areas, you know, not being sloppy, um, being strict, being disciplined. I think the biggest thing with these games is being disciplined because we've even seen yeah. in Canada games against Germany. They took so many penalties and other teams. And it's like the yeah. most important thing is being disciplined and being smart because like, I remember when I used to play hockey, I, I was not a very, I was a very disciplined player. I didn't take a lot of penalties because a lot of penalties are lazy penalties, hooking, tripping, 
Um, yep. They're just lazy penalties. It's, it's a lack of effort. And I think that if you do that and that two minutes cost you your team the game, that like it's just not going to sit well with you. Um, so I think that's going to be important as well in this whole overall, in all the games, but especially in this game, because how tight it is. You know, one power play can make the difference. In regards to who's winning, I'm going to take Sweden this one. I think Sweden could win this. I think they played really well against the Russians. The Russians were really well. The Finland not like losing to Canada four to one worries me a little bit in regards to their chances of passing through. But again, there it's you know they can bounce back. They could play Sweden. They could beat them. So, but I'm going to take Sweden uh, three to two final overtime is my score. That's a good prediction. I do agree. This one is going to be tight. This one, this one is my highlight of the quarterfinal. I think this one is going to be the closest. I am. I am almost certain it's going to go to overtime unless another team just decides to show up fully. Uh, Finland, there wasn't much Finland can do against Canada. Uh, the only the X factor for Finland for me uh, isn't going to be a specific player because I mean I like I like the play of Topi Nimila, uh, the least another least prospect by Finland there, but their offense really couldn't get going. But that's just because of the prowess of Canada. It's hard to judge off that game. I think uh, the thing for Finland is going to be getting out to a lead early. If they can get out to a lead early, Finland, Finland is very good at playing with the lead. They can just hold down the fort. They are very good at just shutting down if they have to. And like, as they say in soccer, park, parking the bus, right? Um, but for Sweden, uh, Finland is very bad at coming back in games, as we saw in the Canada game. They started to make a bit of a comeback in the third, but they really just couldn't get anything, sort of, a, a sort of a, a major pushback coming the other way. And with Sweden, I think the X factor is not only um, trying to get ahead of Finland uh, early, but also who is going to start in net because uh, we saw against America, they performed very poorly uh, last night as of recording this uh, New Year's Eve, they lost, I think it was like six, nothing or something like that to America. Um, It was not a great performance. And I think what's going to be the X factor for me is who they start in net. I know Homestead, I believe is the name. I don't know exactly his name. It's something Holmes. I think it's, it's Stead is in there somewhere. Either way, um, if they start him, I think they have a decent chance of beating Finland. But if they decided to go with their goalie that got wasted against uh, the U.S., then I think they're going to have a bit of an issue there. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's going to come down to in this game who can score first. Um, but if Finland gets out in front, and then Sweden eventually uh, finds a way to tie it up late, it's going to go to overtime. There's no doubt about that because Finland plays a very good defensive game. They play good with the lead. They play well uh, when the score is tied. And I think it's just going to come down to an overtime hero, I think. Uh, I'm personally – it's going to be so close, man. Uh, You know, for my own personal hopes, I'm going to go Finland and I'm going to say it's going to be a Leafs prospect who gets a point on the game winning goal. I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out there for my own hopes. I think it could go either way though. It's going to be a tight matchup. All righty. Moving on into the third quarterfinal matchup, the number one seed in group a Canada after a just complete and utter dominant win over Finland, their best game of the tournament by far. One of my favorite games to watch in the tournament just because Canada was showing off entirely in that game. First, the number four seed, Czech Republic, who are a bit underrated as they did beat Russia 2-0 in what was described by many as a perfect game of hockey from the Czech Republic. Uh, uh, they did finish in the four seed, but they still have a decent chance of putting up a fight against Canada. I think if Canada shows up like they did against Finland, there's no chance 
check the Czechs have in this game. I think it'll be a lot like the Slovakia game we saw in uh, the second uh, second game of the preliminary uh, preliminary round by Canada, where it's going to be like a three one or something like that, and Canada's just going to take over the game. Uh, my X factor is going to be if Devin Levi can stay strong, uh, continue staying strong in the Canada net. It's going to be uh, it's going to be that driving factor and. I think for the Czechs, their X factor is trying to get the Canadians into penalty trouble because the Canadians, their power play hasn't been great so far this uh, this tournament and their penalty kill has been decent, but hasn't really been tested. We don't know how good their penalty kill is. If they can get Canada to take some penalties then I th- and score a few power play goals, then I think it's going to be hard for Canada to beat the Czechs. But it's, it's going to be, I think, an, a Canada win in this one. Yeah, I would agree. I think Canada is the best team in the tournament. I think they've proven that yeah. uh, time and time again, again, especially again with the win over Finland. I think that was a big win, you know, to win for the one, not just on a close game, like a big dominant performance. Um, but I think as well with like, like you hit the nail right on the hammer. It's like the fact that, like I said earlier, Canada sometimes takes dumb penalties, right? Like they get lazy. They took stupid, they take stupid penalties. And in a game like this in a quarterfinal game where, you know, you lose and you go home, you can't be taking those dumb penalties because the checks like, yeah, we haven't seen it a lot. We haven't seen what their, uh, the penalty kill can do for Canada. And if the checks can score, and if they do score at least one or two power play goals, it could be a lot harder for Canada to come out on a win because they could be two, nothing down yeah. in the second period. And they have to score three goals in like, you know, a period and a half. And it's hard to do. Like, it's not easy. The Czech are a good team. They beat the Russians two nothing. They played a perfect game of hockey. They played a very diff- good defensive game. They scored two offense goals and they just parked the bus and said, okay, we're done here. Like we don't need to score any more goals. We can just play defense. So I think I am going to Canada. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be three to one um, like the Slovakia game. But I think X factors for me, I think Levi's going to have to be good in net. That's going to be one. But I think I want to see what the offensive candidate can do, like with Byfield. Um, who's the other guy? Um, Cousins. You got a couple others in there. Cousins uh, as well. Um, yeah, like a couple other Canadian crosses. Newhook is injured. That's going to be mm-hmm. a bit of a tough factor. But uh, Tomasino has been doing really well. There's so many different guys in there, man. I think everybody – I saw a thing that was saying uh, every Canadian in the tournament so far has a point. Yeah, in in a game with so far, which is going to be yeah, which is really solid for their offense. Well, but they are all first round picks, so like I, I would expect, you know, I think all the all teams are them, all yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think most of them aren't. They're like nineteen. Well, okay, no, sorry, 90, not all ninety percent of them are. Yeah, but yeah, they, they have like nine. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I should say yeah, right. They have nineteen out of like twenty five or 24, yes. 25 first round <laughs> picks. But regardless, it's still a lot. So yeah. I, actually, no, I I love the interview. I think it was the coach. It was the Switzerland coach after they lost. And um, I think it was it was a, he was very candid about the interview. He said, "What did like Canada just skate better? They scored better. They played defense better." Yeah. And then he's like, "What did they have like 19 first round picks?" And that like, was you know, from how, a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, it was, was yeah, it was a few years yeah. ago. But still, regardless, yeah. it um, just gets brought up every year. It just it's gets so brought fun. up, yeah, because they always have like they just always have like first round picks always on their roster. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. um, anyways, I think Canada's going to win this one. X factors for me and for the Czech Republic. Um, I think like you said as well, if they, their biggest way to their biggest advantage to winning this game is getting the Canadians into p- penalty trouble and getting them into awkward situations that they just don't know really how to handle, which is being on the penalty kill constantly and getting into, you know, defending the zone a lot. And if, it, if they can control the puck, if they can just, you know, control the time of possession, then I think that's going to be a huge key as well, because the more time yeah. that you have the puck, the less time a guy like Nick Byfield, uh, like Byfield has puck or cousins or anyone else on the Canadian offense, <laughs> That's going to go in there to score, you know, which I think Quint- is key. It's, it's Quinton by Phil. Oh, sorry, so Quinton. Know. Yeah, Quinton but, uh, <laughs> It's fine. Shouldn't um, know that, but yeah, no, I, I think I knew that, but I just, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, it's fine. Anyways. 
moving on to the last quarterfinal matchup. One of the more interesting ones here, we have the United States who claimed the one seed in Group B versus Slovakia, uh, who is the number four seed in Group A. This one's interesting to me because, to be quite honest, the United States, while they are the one seed and they did beat Sweden, they haven't looked as strong as your years past. I think while they are the one seed, they aren't the best team in that group. And I do think that this game is going to be quite interesting. I do, I do think America is going to win. Uh, but I think Slovakia is going to put up a better fight than most people think. Uh, and I think overall it's going to, if Slovakia wants to win, they have to, they have to just keep peppering Spencer Knight, the U uh, S goaltender, because he hasn't been great as a whole, this tournament. He, he performed well in the Sweden game. Yes. But overall he hasn't been like outstanding. Uh, and I think that's that if you throw enough shots on him, he might cough a few up and uh, not great at playing the puck either. So I think that would be the key for Slovakia. But if you're the, if you're the States, you just have to, you just have to keep pr- putting the pressure on man. Time of possession is going to be huge in this one. If the States can keep the time of possession up and if they can just keep pressuring Slovakia, they should win this one. I think uh, Cole Caulfield such an interesting player because I think he is the most, one of the most overrated prospects in hockey right now. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Montreal Canadiens fans love defending him on tw- It's so fun. We talked about this actually on a, I was on a different podcast uh, um, recently and we talked a lot about just Cole Caulfield and Twitter as a whole, but uh, Cole Caulfield is such an intriguing player because Montreal Canadiens fans where he was drafted, they defend him like he's the next coming of one of the great goal scorers in history. Meanwhile, every other team and every other analyst suggests, hey, this guy clearly isn't as good as you think he is going to be. And it just starts Twitter wars all the time. And it is uh, just as an outsider. It's fun to watch sometimes. But that's just my that's just my opinion. I mean, he could step up in this game and change people uh, change people's mind. I don't know. I would like to see that if he can. Um, but uh, I think the states are going to win this one versus Slovakia either way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think as well with Cole Caulfield, again, haven't watched that many World Juniors, but I only really heard his name once or twice when he scored that one nice goal against, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was. It was like that, um, it, was like the, it was like the spinning backward, like he, like he scored it like with a backhand on yeah. his and stuff like that. That was in the pre-tournament, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was in the pre-tournament. Yeah. yeah, it was in the pre-tournament. Yeah. So again, in the pre-tournament, not really heard of him really, like his name since that. Uh, we haven't seen any spectacular, super good plays. And again, haven't been following exactly, like I was just going to quickly look at the stats to see what his stats were in regards to if he is overrated or not. And sometimes that is the case because sometimes players are, like I'm trying to think of other possible like players that we saw in the World Juniors that did really well and they they were like they were drafted they like they were drafted previous they went to the World Juniors did okay or well and then they're like okay let's draft them um, and then they just didn't really turn out in the NHL that great like we have like, yeah. examples of something but um, there there are players like that you know that and yeah. sometimes it can and also sometimes sometimes it also opens a team up to be like oh wow we shouldn't have drafted that guy you know that was a bad choice of us yeah. Know? didn't really the do true well. potential of a player and pretty yeah exactly it, yeah. it opens it up right like it, it kind of opens everyone's eyes to see okay you know did we make the right choice or not so um in this game i think that's so it's gonna be tough you know the Slovaks could maybe score a goal but at the end of the day i think the united states realize okay you know we haven't played great this term we've been playing good enough to get into the quarterfinals but if we want to go win gold we have to play great because you know you got a team beat a yeah. team like canada or beat a team like russia which they um 
which they didn't, yeah, which they didn't do. Or so, you know, they got to beat a team like Swiss, like Sweden possibly as well. So you don't know exactly. You got to know your competition and they've got to come out firing. They got to come out with a chip on their shoulder, even if they have to. X factors, I think would be Cole Caulfield. I think he's going to be, he's going to be a big point. Of, he's going to have to step up big because I think yeah. if teams really, if he wants to prove, you know, himself as a player, go score a big, big time goal in a big time game that gives your team the best chance <clears throat> Best chance to go on to the uh, semifinals. In regards to to Slovakia, again, don't know them too well. But I think really for the Slovaks, it's important to, again, keep the puck away from their stars. You know, if you keep the puck away from Cole Caulfield, if you keep the puck away from all their top scorers, if you just play a little bit of keep away, you know, just pass it around. Like we've seen it sometimes with NHL games where teams will just – they'll literally like they'll have a lead. They'll score one goal or two goals and then they'll just p- play defense, you know? And if, if the Slovaks yeah. can do that, if they can get one pass Spencer Knight, cause he hasn't been playing great or two goals, even just park the bus, play defense, shut down. A lot like the Russia game. A lot yeah, like, a lot the, like the Russia game as well. Like, you know, just score one oh, or two sorry, goals. The Russian yeah. game from the checks, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Russian game from the checks. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Just yeah, score one or two goals and then just park the bus. Uh, and that's all you really need. So in that mind, I, I, I'm taking still the United States win it. Um, I want to say it's close. I want to say it's going to be a three to two game. That's what I, or eh, maybe three to one, three to one to be realistic, but three that's my take. All right. That wraps up our world juniors knockout stage predictions for all of the quarterfinal games coming up this Saturday. Moving on into our last topic of the day. We have two quick NHL free agency points to get out of the way. Starting off forward Pierre-Luc Dubois has resigned with the Columbus Blue Jackets on a two-year $10 million contract, but does not plan on staying with the team. He basically only signed this contract to find a new home away from the team as the contract negotiations weren't really going his way. He was a, uh, an RFA restricted free agent, uh, which means that the only way he would have been a- able to leave the team is by trade or uh, offer sheets. But I don't think offer sheets are used enough in the league or are kind of like taboo. So they weren't going to. So no team was going to do that. So it all came down to Pierre-Luc Dubois and this contract. And it's basically a get me over contract until I can get out of here kind of thing. So uh obviously we've seen in past years with Pierre uh Pierre Luc that he's had some clashings with uh head coach John Tortorella who is a bit of a fiery man and he can be motivating at times but it also can be hard to work with so it's understandable that uh Dubois might not be comfortable in that environment uh and I the question I was going to ask is will he get his wish and I think he will get his wish I think uh the Blue Jackets are quite an interesting team I think overall Pierre is a very intriguing player where he is a decent center um but he's not your top of line player that's why he's only um it's only making uh 10 mil for the uh, for the two total seasons and i think uh the likelihood he gets his wish is pretty high i think the blue jackets could get a decent return for him the only worry i would have is that with his contract while it is two years 10 mil if they use the first year of his contract he's only getting paid about 2.5 of that 10 uh, or like 3.5 of that 10 mil and then the rest will be paid in the second season. So it'll be harder to trade that contract after uh, after the season. So I think he will get his wish um, of getting traded at some point. Uh, it's just a matter of when. And if not, then it's gonna he can leave to his own free will at, at the end of his contract. And I think that also could be a likely po- uh, possibility. But I don't think he is going to stay with the Jackets just because of that rift between him and John Tortorella. Yeah, it's really interesting to, to hear the situation that he did re-sign with the Blue Jackets on this two-year, $10 million deal. And he doesn't – so it's interesting to me is like the fact that he signed this contract, but he doesn't plan on staying with the team. So does he want to be traded, or is it like 
it, it was it, about like four hours before they announced the contract. It's he said he wanted to be traded, but then he signed the contract, and that kind of yeah, confused yeah. a lot of people. And there was like a frenzy. So what I think it is is he basically he wants to leave. He basically just signed the contract to say, okay, I'll stay here, but you should still move me, basically, uh, just to give him extra time to move him, basically, because he is oh, okay, a, see, right. an interesting an interesting trade piece and negotiations and money is tight for some teams right now. He's basically just giving them extra time to uh, find a new team for him. And if not, uh, by the end of the two-year contract, then he will be no longer an RFA, meaning he doesn't have to strictly stay with the team unless he gets offer sheet or something like that. Right. He's just an unrestricted free agent. He can go pretty much wherever he wants. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to get his wish of uh, wanting to be traded or being sent to possibly a new team. Um, it's interesting. Again, a lot of teams are cash-strapped right now. So exactly, you know, what? where could he get a better deal? If he like, if, if it's the team, then maybe he could just get the same deal for that same amount um, for something small, like a one- or two-year deal. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's going to be very tough um, based on the fact that, you know, teams are cash up they don't have a lot of money to sign yeah, these market is tough right now market, market is tough it's very tough so the fact that you have a team is to play with i think is good at this point i think it's important for me like i'm i'm happy that you know i have a team to play on, even though it's not your favorite team but it's like yeah but a lot of teams sometimes a lot of players sometimes play on like they get disgruntled with their team and they want to be traded but they don't and then they finally do the season later so they kind of play a little bit a disgruntled season so again we don't know exactly what the chemistry is going to be like with him and john tortorella on the bench this season um with the with the shortened season and everything like that but it's going to be interesting to see what happens if he does end up just playing um the two years and then at the end of the two years he's like yeah i'm done or if he just at the after that one year um you know he's like i want out or like i want to be sent away somewhere else you know to uh yeah but it's gonna it's been interesting nonetheless to see what happens but i, I it's gonna be highly unlikely it's just you know teams are very cash up right now so it's very tough to move players yeah that is a very fair point. All righty, the other free agency news we wanted to talk about today. Uh, Zidane Chara has signed a one-year 795K deal with the Washington Capitals, surprisingly, after spending the last 14 seasons with the uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, pretty much guaranteed Hall of Fame defenseman, in my opinion, uh, just the amount of points and amount of prowess he's had over the years. Uh, he is just past 40. I don't know how old exactly he is, but he is into his 40s. Uh can he make an impact with the Washington Capitals, uh, even though he is on the older side of things? And why did the Bruins let him go? I can kind of answer that uh, second question for you, Sam. Um, and I think the why the Bruins let him go is an interesting debate because the Bruins basically approached him. And the reason they said why they let him go is because they wanted to focus on their young core and they wanted to kind of they're they're in like a mini rebuild stage because they are getting uh, they're they are one of the older teams in the league and this will make way for a lot of new uh, up and young and up and coming defensemen but while they did say that and while chara kind of realized himself that he had to step out and he could be used elsewhere for leadership and stuff like that at the same time, the Bruins defenseman uh, defense core right now, you have Charlie McAvoy, decent young player. You have uh, Kevin Miller, decent young player, not the greatest. Matt Grizzlenick, eh, Brandon Carlo, eh. And it just kind of goes down from there. You don't really see too many Bruins defensemen top prospects out there right now. It's, it's such a questioning move for me because I think – for me, a guy like Zidane Chara has been with the Bruins for so long. And 
he has been a mainstay on their roster for so many years. He's been so important to their team. He's given his career to the Boston Bruins. He will, when he is inducted into the hall of fame, eventually he is a Bruin no matter what. And I think he would have liked to have finished his career with the Boston Bruins, I think in a normal year, but with the, with the Bruins, I don't understand why they just let him go for nothing. Like you, you couldn't have signed the team captain of the past few seasons to be like a third line defenseman for less than a million dollars. Like there, I don't, I don't see why they don't do that. And that, I think just a quick bit of trivia here for you, Sam, before you can talk about uh, if you think he'll make an impact with the Caps. What, uh, or sorry, after Zidane Chara has left the Bruins, he was the longest tenured captain in the NHL. Who now is the longest tenured captain in the NHL with one single team? Uh, because Zidane was captain for like uh, 10 plus, or I think all 14 seasons he was with the Bruins. But who is now the longest tenured captain? I want to say Sidney Crosby with the Penguins. That is indeed correct, Sam. Yes. Sidney Crosby is the two longest for, tenured captain. Two for two on trivia Penguins. today. I'm, I'm feeling it today. Two for you know? two. Sam I'm, I'm is doing good. well on trivia today. I, I, I usually am not good on this, so this is this is a this is a good yeah. sighting. Um, yeah, it's one I was more impressed with. You know, yeah, <laughs> on on the on the Zidane Chara news, it's interesting the fact that the Boston Bruins are like, yeah, we're not going to save one spot for you on the third or fourth line as a veteran defenseman who can provide leadership to our youth core. We're like, we're giving you the boot. It's the classic Boston move. You know, if you think about it, Tom Brady left this season after playing with so many seasons, and they didn't really offer him a lot. So, or they try to make an saw, offer. I saw a Boston <laughs> fan on Twitter. It was so funny. He's like, wow, Zidane Chara, Tom Brady, and Mookie Betts all left in the same year. <laughs> wow, 2020 really was bad. And I was like, bruh, shut up. You're a Boston fan. You yeah, have I was going to say, like, you, you can deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you can deal with one bad season of, like, you know, your team sucking or your team doing bad. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure you can, like, you know, compare it to our teams that just, you know, constantly are bad. You know, like the, my team, the Chicago Blackhawks or the Seahawks, who haven't been to like a championship in four or five years. You know, the Blackhawks had their a few years there. Well, but yeah, it's yeah. been a bit. It's, like, it's been fi- it's been five now years of just absolute yeah. garbage. Like they are not a good they are not a good team. They're a bottom twenty team. So then again, they're rebuilding. They got youth, but yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, it's just interesting the fact that the Boston's like, no, we're not going to do this. It's a typical. I feel like with any Boston team, like I guess M- Mookie Betts is a younger player, so it doesn't really relate to him. But Tom Brady, yeah. older player, gets the boot goes to tampa sunny florida you know to go join a bunch of younger stars or youngish stars you know with mike evans and a couple other you know leonard fournette as well on his team and um some other young stars and then now you've got zidane O'Chara going to the washington capitals um which is going to be interesting because you know i think that obviously another seasoned veteran like Osh, uh like uh, alex ovechkin who's on the team as well i think i don't know exactly i think he and him are probably going to you know, get along possibly they could, they, well, they're going to have to get along, but I think they could be like, obviously they're not two separate positions, but I think they could play well together um, in regards to like on the power play and stuff like that. It could be the case where he could be uh, setting up Alex Ovechkin for like, you know, some more goals. And I think that he can make an impact, but I think it's going to be a leadership role impact. Like it's going to be mainly, he's going to be a third line defenseman. That's probably what the, the capitals were like, Oh, we can get it for super cheap. Perfect. We'll sign him for a one-year 795K deal. We'll put him on the third line with this guy, and he can be our leadership defenseman. He can be a guy to be like, okay, he's the guy to, you know, um, to help with our young core because that's what really – that's what makes great teams is having a – a good few, uh, a select few of veterans and young players to mix in 
um, to have experience and young, hot new talent, which is good, which is, I think is what is the way that the NHL kind of goes and the way that, um, and obviously I understand that Bruins want to move on, but the fact that they couldn't just like sign them to a one and maybe, maybe the fact that what I can't remember, I, I remember reading something about this and I don't know if it was something that the Boston Bruins like, well, I think we kind of talked about it. the fact that they just didn't offer them anything. They didn't, they were like, yeah, we're not going to really like make an effort to try to sign you, which I yeah. think is just odd. But anyways, uh, it's, inter- it's interesting to say that nonetheless, but I think he can make an impact. It's going to be small, but it's going to be a leadership role for sure. Yeah. I think the only impact he can make really is leadership wise. I don't see him as like, he's not a top line defenseman anymore. He is, uh, this could be his last year. We have no idea, but I think uh, he wants, he, it's a lot like the Joe Thornton deal with the Leafs. He wants one more run at the cup. He wants to join a team that is character of what he is, what he stands for, right? Zidane Chara is a leadership role, but he's also this big, tall, I think he's like 6'10". He is huge. He's just a big, grinded out, I'm going to hit you harder than you could ever imagine to try to hit me, which is a lot like the Capitals. Now you have Tom Wilson and Zidane Chara on the same team. That is going to be a tough team to play against already, even though you have Ovechkin on that team already. That is going to be, that just adds a bunch of, uh, another level of grit and leadership to the Capitals team. I think, It'll be a just a like it's not going to be a physical impact he's going to make. It's going to be a mental impact where he's going to have that leadership with the team, but also just that that is a player that is scary to play against. Uh, it, like especially with the like the even the name Zdeno Chara, that is a player you do not want to go up against. You know that is a uh, famous name from all his years in Boston. That is a guy who you see and you did not want to play against. And I think just that mental impact on his team and teams that play against him is going to be huge. And the fact, the only fact of the matter that I think Bruins fans also are going to be a bit upset at uh, just before we wrap up here is the fact that he went to the same division. They're now going to have to play him for like 10 times this upcoming season. That is going to be interesting to watch. And if he's a, if he can, somehow score a goal or just hit somebody hard like if he hits like a Marchand hard or something like that oh man Bruins fans are going to be pissed but every other fan in the league is going to be eating it for breakfast it's going to be so much fun to watch that would be that like tip Twitter would have a field day oh Twitter would be a ridiculous if Marchand got lit up by like I don't think it would happen because I'm pretty sure they probably have some respect and much love for playing for so long but (laughs) if if Zdeno Chara just like you know talked to Alex Ovechkin and he just Alex was like okay you're on our team now like you know this is how we play and and Zdeno's like yep okay agree let's go you know like let's go hit Marshawn. let's go destroy like the smallest player in hockey so I I think it'd be super funny again as well to see what would happen again because yeah like I don't I totally forgot that they're in the same division and they're gonna be playing like usually in a regular oh, yeah. season in like a regular season they won't be playing like 10 times um nope, they would only play like four <laughs> four times but now they're playing six more additional times and it's going to be really exciting to see um what happens in six more is a rough like 10 games is a rough estimate but yeah like yeah, they're going to be playing roughly. much more than normal and it's going to be fun to watch definitely is Alrighty, that wraps up our NHL free agency quick segment regarding the Pierre-Luc Dubois and Zdeno Chara signings. That wraps up this episode of Season 2 of On The Rise Podcast. You should follow our Instagram at Rise Podcast, listening in, listen in on midtownradio.ca, and visit our website, ontherisepodcast.ca. We will see you on Wednesday.